welcome back or welcome to the Humans of Triathlon or Hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversations with humans of triathlon from around the globe and from all walks of life Hello humans of triathlon this is Swapnil Chauhan here speaking from India along with my two co-hosts Robin Mayall aka Radmom Robin from Oregon US and Charles from London UK and we're joined here by another amazing guest So at the hot podcast we just love talking about triathlon right about the sport about its humans about how life changing practicing the sport has been to a number of people and now in season 2 We have gotten a little bit more experimental, no? On the first episode, we brought you uh, the first non-triathlon person. She definitely does not practice the sport, but as we saw, we, we noticed how she's actually still somehow involved. Today, we bring you another so-called outlier. He doesn't really practice the triathlon sport much lately, but he is immensely involved with the sport. And if you stick with us for the next hour, you will find out how. Just a little clue, on a normal 70.3 or 100.6 event, he can shoot up to 7,000 pictures. So please welcome Mr. Scott Flathouse. Hello. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Robin. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you. You know, as Charles mentioned, as we've been progressing with the show, I've just been wanting to get more people on the podcast who are a part of the tri community, but aren't necessarily only triathletes, but, you know, all the other kinds of people that are involved, whether as a volunteer or a photographer or an event organizer or whatever it is. And, you know, it's, it's really because of all these different people that the sport is the amazing sport that it is. So, yeah, thank you for coming on. Well, you're very welcome and and thank you for giving me the opportunity to to come and speak to your audience today. So, I mean, in your case, you share all these amazing pictures of races on social media, but I don't think many people really know the person behind the lens, you know? Like I've been following you for a while now and I honestly didn't even know what you looked like until a few weeks ago when you sent through your pictures <laughs> to me. <laughs> and you know, as Charles was giving that intro, I was just wondering like Do you think that people who follow you or your work on social media are actually aware of your story and you know facts like you actually used to do triathlons before and stuff like that? I I I do think that some people who who know me are aware that that I do have a background and I have participated in the past. Uh it's been a number of years and and so I think most people are not aware and so uh I'm I'm happy to to come on your podcast today and and to share some of my story and and my history and I would like to also provide some insights into how the photography business works today and and how how you get all those race pictures that you get when you when you compete in a triathlon. <laughs> Hopefully you'll give us some tips on uh how to how to make the photographer get the best pictures of us. <laughs> oh, uh, absolutely, of course. Okay, so I think that to a good place to start would be, you know, for both who 
people who know you as well as people who aren't aware of you to just give us a little bit of background about yourself and just talk us through your journey to actually finding the sport. Okay, sure. So I, I really think as, as as I got the invitation to participate in this in this podcast, I I was trying to think how how I could frame some of this up because I really have two separate paths, and, and one path is how I got interested in into photography, and and then separately how I got involved in into triathlon, and then and then at one point in my life those two interests converged and 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 now and now here I am. So <laughs> let me start out uh, with how I got involved in in photography because that happened much earlier. Okay, yeah. I was uh, after I graduated from college and uh, started working full time and earning an, an income. I, I got interested in in photography and and got rather serious in it. And this was back in the film era, back in the uh, early and mid nineties when digital digital photography was still really in its infancy. And I was interested mostly in things like wildlife photography or landscape photography. I did uh, some portrait work and I, I shot some weddings and all this was done on film. And, uh, and, and I really got into uh, more of the artistic side of, of film photography. I, I bought a Hasselblad, a medium format camera. Ooh. I had, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm jealous already. <laughs> <laughs> I had a uh, a dark room set up in in one of the bathrooms in my in my house, and I developed and printed uh, my own prints. And so I really enjoyed the process of going out and capturing an image, and then then bringing it home and, and working through the entire process until I got to a, a final print. And with film, of course, that involved uh, a lot of work and it was a rather you know slow and, and tedious process. And I, I got to the point, you know, our, our first uh, daughter came along, my wife, we had our first daughter and, and of course she benefited from, from having all the pictures taken of her. <laughs> and then our, our second daughter came along and we realized that, or I realized uh, in particular, that I I just don't have time or, or room uh, in my life for to continue as in-depth in this, in, this, uh, in this hobby that I had. And so to help with finances and to kind of clear, change my priorities, I, I sold a lot of my, my camera gear. And my darkroom gear, and and I sold my Hasselblad. <laughs> and, uh, Ouch! Yeah. So I look back on that, and I think, well, you know, it it, it would have been nice to to keep all that, but but the reality was that that uh, I I did have other priorities in my life, and things were changing. And, and also the 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 digital photography was becoming more and more prominent, and I really wasn't ready to invest in in that at that point. Mm-hmm. And let me shift over now and, and talk some about how I got into triathlon. So going back all the way to my high school years, I was a, a runner. I, I ran track and cross country, and I was also an avid cyclist. Uh, I would ride to sc- my bike to school. I would ride back and forth to work. And again, in, in my high school years, of course, that was in the 80s, and nobody wore helmets at the time. And even today, I chastise my parents for letting me ride on these roads that that you would be crazy to ride on 
today, but, <laughs> but, I, but I love to ride my bike. And uh, I never, never really was much of a swimmer, uh, but I grew up in Austin, and in Austin there's lots of lakes, and I love to water ski. I love to be outside, participate uh, in all the, the good weather and, and summer sports that we have. I managed to maintain my activity level through college, but again, after I graduated and started working full-time, uh, I didn't work out nearly as much, or I, I kind of stopped running. I started to gain weight, and eventually I got to the point where my annual physicals, my doctor was highlighting the, the, the fact that I was overweight, and I had high cholesterol, and, and he encouraged me to to do something about that. <laughs> and it got so bad to the point where I, I really decided I need to change my life and, and get more of a, a fitness regimen. And so I did. And, and so I, I started running, I started working out again, not really participating in, in any kind of organized activities, but uh, I did manage to lose about 40 pounds and got fit. Along the way, though, at one point, I, uh, and I'm not sure exactly how I did it, but uh, I think it was, I was out in the backyard playing with my dogs and I was running around and I twisted my knee a little bit. It turned out I tore my meniscus. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I went to the, to the doctor to get it checked out. He recommended surgery and, and I was, I was pretty crushed at that point because I'd been working so hard to lose the weight and keep the weight off. Uh, so I, I resigned myself to, to getting the surgery and then thinking about how I might recover from that. And so it turns out that, uh, the, on the day of the, the surgery, I was, I was lying in the on the gurney waiting to go into to get the anesthesia and there were other other people waiting for surgery that day in in this room and there was a lady in the in the gurney next to me and she was uh, I believe she was going in for for back surgery and the doctor came over to me and asked me my name and date of birth and I I I told him and then the lady turned to me and said are you are you Emma Flathouse's father? And I, and Emma is my daughter. I said, yes, I am. And, and she said, oh, well, your daughter is in my daughter's class at school. And so that happy coincidence led us to, to some discussion as we were both waiting for, to go into surgery. And, and I asked her, you know, what, what she was going in for. And she said she had injured her back or aggravated an injury on a bike ride in a triathlon. And I thought triathlon, I, I had some vague notion about what a triathlon was, but I, but I really didn't understand. So I asked her, I said, well, what's the triathlon? She said, oh, well, they hold this event and it's where you swim in the lake for 400 yards and you, and you bike for about 10 miles and you run for, for, for a 5k. And that immediately piqued my interest. And I thought, and so I, I, pressed her for some more details. So she told me about the try to make a difference sprint triathlon that takes place every year in Amarillo, Texas, and where, where I was living at the time. So I got to thinking about the future and the recovery for my knee. And I decided that that would provide me motivation to recover from this knee surgery. And so before I went into surgery, I committed to myself, I'm going to sign up for next year's <laughs> triathlon and I'm going to, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and so, 
the yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's just amazing i mean you tear your meniscus you're going in for surgery and you find out about triathlon which then goes on to become just a important part of your life i mean it's crazy how things work out like that sometimes you know it it really is and what's even crazier is that i had never done an open water swim before and uh so i think i mentioned i, I was not a very strong swimmer I didn't know how long it would take to recover from surgery, which it, it actually took a lot longer than I had expected. And so I, so I did have a chance to focus on the swimming. And so I would go to the, to the rec center where, where I had a membership, and I would, I would practice swimming. And I couldn't hardly make it one length across the pool without stopping. So my goal was simply to make it 400 yards uh, without stopping. And I, and I had about a year to do that. <laughs> and I, I think back on that now, I'm still not a strong swimmer. I never have been. <laughs> but, but that accomplishment to me, the first time that I made it 400 yards back and forth across that pool without stopping was, uh, I, I felt tremendous pride in myself. It, it doesn't sound like much, but, uh, but it, really, it really was meaningful to me. And then, so the, the date of the, the triathlon approached, and I uh, grew more and more excited, but more and more nervous as I had not done much running. So I was able to start incorporate some cycling because of the of course the motion is a lot more gentle on the knee than than running. But I hadn't done much running, and so the morning of the the triathlon came, and we all went down to the to the event site. And I, I got out into the water uh, to start swimming with my wave and the gun went off and the, the experience was like nothing else I'd ever, <laughs> ever experienced. <laughs> Had you been in the open water at all on your own? Well, or was this like your first introduction to it? It, w- it was really my first introduction. Like I said, I had been water skiing. I, I kind of knew what it was like to be in the water, you know, to swim around in a lake, but not, not, not competitively like 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 this <laughs> and and i i think of course i had no idea either about sighting or or you know how to swim in a straight line and so i think my you my four did a little extra yeah turned into about a 600 <laughs> yard swim but <laughs> but i got 50 percent bonus <laughs> yeah exactly got my money's worth on on that swim and then uh then i did the bike and i walked and ran the run and and when i got done i i was hooked i just I just loved it. And so that was my start in, in, in the event of triathlon. Still at that time, I had no real concept of the other opportunities in, in triathlon. Uh, I really didn't know what Ironman was. I didn't know what ITU was. I didn't, I, oh, all I knew was that, boy, this is, this is a lot of fun. And I love the energy. I love the camaraderie of, of the event. And I couldn't wait to do more. So I signed up for the same event the year after in Amarillo. They uh, there was about two or three other kind of sprint triathlons that I participated in, and and I just I I loved it all. And what I didn't realize, and and looking back on it, is that I unfortunately I don't really have any race pictures from these triathlons <laughs> of yourself <laughs> of, of myself because. Uh, th- these were small events, and 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 there really wasn't any uh, race for Tyree. So this was back 2000, 
2007, 2008 timeframe, maybe 2008, 2009 timeframe. So uh, other than I, I believe my wife took a few pictures of me when she could. But I, but I think it's unfortunate because uh, I, I was probably in the best shape of my life at that point. I really wish I had some more pictures of me at that time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a pretty, you know, typical introduction to the sport. Like most people, like they, they'll be active in college. And then after that, they pretty much, you know, they get caught up with work and stuff like that. And they their health basically starts getting out of hand and yeah so i i think that many people would be able to relate to that yeah i i and i I also want to say i think my whole triathlon career or experience is probably relatively unspectacular compared to uh some of the others that that you you've interviewed but but i did go on to compete in in other sprint triathlons i did the uh, ms 150 which is the bike ride from from Houston to Austin in two days. I competed in a half marathon, and I was I was training with a mindset of of, of going further and, and faster. And I was planning to do a full marathon, and uh, I was uh, thinking about my first half Ironman. And after after my half marathon, I was working on the working towards a full marathon. That's when I realized I was developing plantar fasciitis. Mm. And then I also tore a calf muscle. And after trying to work through plantar fasciitis, and I, I got to the point where I just couldn't train at all. Mm. And that's, that's, that again was a, another, it's quite a bit of a setback for me. Uh, but also at the same time, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, and her husband were starting to get involved in triathlon as well. So we would go, my wife and my daughters and I would go and support her sister. And uh, I, I did have, I was able to get a decent digital camera at that time. And uh, so I started uh, just trying to reestablish my photography and got... Uh, got pictures of, of her and I was able to get some decent pictures of, of her and her husband during the, the events that they were, they were competing in. And, and again, I, I love going to the events. I love the, the crowds. I love the tension right before the start. I love the, the finish. I just love being there. So you're still staying part of it. Yeah. So it, it was, it was a way to, to, to remain involved in the sport. And as I looked around, I saw these guys in the orange vests with the cameras and, and I thought, Hey, you know, I, I bet I could do that. So I contacted some of these uh, photography companies and uh, I was able to get hired. Uh, and so I started working the, uh, a lot of the local events in the Houston area. So this is like a full-time job pretty much. Uh, this is not a full-time job for me, actually. Um, <laughs> I So this is something I do on the weekends. I, I do have a full-time job. I, I'm an engineer, and I work for a large oil and gas company. But uh, but on the weekends, uh, I get up early on the mornings and, and go photograph races. Nice. Okay. Do you think it has the possibility of becoming something full-time? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I I'd like to think that at times. Uh, on the other hand, I, I also like the engineering work that I do uh, full time. So it's uh, it's difficult to be able to choose. Yeah, and I guess 
also a problem is uh, like the lack of races during weekdays, no, most of the time. Uh, it could be, but there's there's other things that you know during the week. Uh, you know when I when I photograph races, and especially when I when I do it on my own, some of the Ironman events or some of the other events, and I, I shoot the the seven or eight or nine thousand photos, it does t- take some time to to work my way through those. Uh, so that's what I find myself doing <laughs> during the week. Got it. Yeah. So what is your favorite part of the race to shoot? I noticed you you have some just awesomely epic bike pictures especially with those texas clouds is bike your favorite leg to shoot yeah everyone listening if you haven't seen scott's pictures yet we recommend you go to scott <laughs> flathouse flat house photo is it on instagram yes scott flathouse photo yeah go so just maybe pause this or whatever and just go check that out and i think you'll get a better understanding you'll get some context for the rest of the conversation um i i do like shooting the bikes and i i really like shooting all aspects of the event, but it seems like most people like the bikes. So, so I, I, <laughs> I strive to <laughs> oblige what, what people like. So, and, and let me go back and just continue on the evolution of my, my, <laughs> my path here with, with a triathlon photography. So, so I was shooting these races uh, on a regular basis. And if, in case you don't know, the photography companies hire photographers on a on a contract basis and they typically pay an hourly rate or at least this is how it works in uh in the united states and uh, i'm sure it works differently other parts in the world but the photography companies generally have pretty specific guidelines for how they want the photographers to shoot uh they they don't give the photographers a lot of latitude on you know, decisions on, on where to shoot or, or how to shoot. They, they just want a kind of a, uh, a volume of work. <laughs> and, hmm. and, and, and that was good. And it's a great way to, to practice photography and develop some skill sets and, and become adaptable to changing conditions and, and, you know, and that kind of thing. But, you know, I would, I would go out and shoot a race for two or three hours and hand over the media at the end of the race and, and get my, get my paycheck maybe a week or two later. Hmm. So, you know, as an athlete, whenever we go into a race, we always have some kind of goal, right? Whether that be finishing or um, feeling a certain way during a race or after the race, or maybe just a time goal or something like that. And if we achieve that, it's a good race. So, when you go into photographing a race, um, do you, although you have some restrictions, obviously, but do you have any kind of aim or goal for that race? Like something that if if you do this, then you know you've done a good job. Yes, I, I do. The so I, I want to have the majority of my photos uh, well composed. I want them to be in focus. I want them to uh, capture the uh, the the nature the uh, excitement of the event. Uh, sometimes uh, things don't cooperate, and just like in any race, you know, you can have uh, weather or equipment problems, and and things don't always go as as you would hope that they would go. But yes, I I do always try to produce a a body of work that that the athletes or the participants would be would be happy to share and happy that they represented the the nature of the event. Hmm. Actually, Scott, I'm actually looking at the pictures that you post on your Instagram channel. 
and I'm comparing them to the pictures taken uh, when I go on a race. And this looked like so perfect <laughs> that I wonder if these pictures were actually taken during the race or is it that you just put all of them on a bike inside a studio and then you add the lightning and the background because they just look <laughs> like in, in, impeccable. Oh, well, well, thank you very much. Uh, so uh, after, after shooting on a contract basis, I, uh, one of the things that, that I did was, you know, as I knew people were participating in certain races and they would ask me to, to come out and, and see if I could get some shots for them. So I would develop a reputation as a capable photographer. And so people wanted me to, to try to capture them in races. So, so I started doing that. And then I thought, you know what, let's, let's see what I can do with this. So I was starting to learn Photoshop and, and, and working on the editing. And I, I started to enhance the photos with, with Photoshop and people loved it. Hmm. And not only did the individuals, uh, like some of the work that I was producing, but I got contacted by, uh, equipment companies as well. And so I've, I've worked with Quintana Roo. I've worked with Rudy project. I've worked with some others, uh, who have requested and, and purchased some of my work. And, and that, that was encouraging as well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yes, those photos that you see on my Instagram feed, they, they do involve a lot of Photoshop, but it, it all starts with a, a solid race photo. So it's got to be in focus. It's got to be uh, captured at the right moment and, you know, and all those things. And so with my, you know, work doing race photography for several years, I, I feel like I've, I've developed the skill set where I can at least capture a good race photo. And then I take it take it home and, and work on it some in Photoshop and, and publish it uh, and and share it with the, with the athletes. Nice. So I'm kind of curious what you do when it rains because, <laughs> you know, digital's digital and we've all tried to take digital photos in the rain and, and it can get kind of dicey. Do you have a little tent thing set up or? Uh, I, well, actually for Christmas, my, my kids bought me a pop-up, little pop-up shelter that I'm, I'm waiting to try out. Uh, but I do have, I do have plastic, uh, covers for, for my camera equipment. There was a triathlon recently, the town Lake triathlon in, in Houston, where it just, it was just pouring. It was damn pouring. And of course I had rain jackets and, you know, I, I rain gear for my camera, but I just kept shooting during the rain. And I thought, boy, these are going to be the coolest shots. And they, and a lot of them really were because, that that's something that you just don't see is is the water flying up from the tires and the 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 guys had their their visors flipped up so they could see and it it was it was really something else it probably wasn't the safest uh, situation for everybody involved but uh, but it pretty it was it was pretty remarkable and then I I had some fun with some of the the photos and added some lightning bolts and things in that. <laughs> And that was entertaining. So nice. I'll have to say, Texas Texas has the most epic clouds ever. Your your photos <laughs> just look like Maxfield Parish painted a backdrop for you or something. Oh well, thank you. And so one of the secrets is that uh, the the skies don't always look like that at the time. <laughs> <laughs>
Wink, wink. So let me just leave that there. All right. How long does it actually take you to edit those pictures? So each photo, uh, it 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 varies, of course, but I've got it down to where I can I can fully edit a photo in about forty five minutes to an hour for one photo. For one photo. Wow. <laughs> so do you just have like a sort of filter that you created that you apply to them and then tweak it a little bit or how do you well there's a number of steps and and actually what i've done too there are some videos in my instagram feed where i i took this time lapse of the screen capture during my editing process so you can you can watch some of those and get a sense for for what all's involved mm. i think uh, one of my my top rated uh, videos or, or posts ever was a edit that I did of Lauren Brandon at uh, the Waco 70.3 in October. She had just the raw photo had some beautiful light to it. And uh, she, Lauren Brandon probably has one of the best bike positions of anybody ever. Uh, and she rides the Ventum and, and it was a pretty epic photo to begin with. And then I, I went ahead and just enhanced it in Photoshop, but the time lapse is on my is on my Instagram feed. So, like you know, some photographers are there who don't exactly like using post editing too much. You know, they they prefer the the raw raw pictures, basically, right? So, do you ever get any kind of hate thrown at you, maybe, from other photographers or something like that for post processing images in the way that you do? Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are people who are purists out there, uh, are out there to, to document the, the event. I, I, I haven't gotten any negative backlash, uh, as, as of yet. Uh, <laughs> the way I see it is in the photography community, there, there is a little bit of a, a negative connotation around using Photoshop. So there are some areas of photography where some people might consider it unethical to, mm-hmm. to alter or, or change a photo. And the way, and, and I, I have thought about it some, and the, I guess the, the way that I think about it is I'm, I don't think I'm necessarily out there as a, someone who documents an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I'm not producing necessarily a, a a newsreel or a you know just just simply capturing what's what's actually happening in front of me the the images that i like to produce are images which i think reflect the epic nature of the event mm. and so having having some background in history and triathlon and training i know i know these athletes they they train all year long and they're very disciplined and very dedicated. And I, I, I try to produce an image that, that reflects some of that effort and dedication and uh, you know, everything that goes, goes into all that. And it's captured in, in one moment at, at one event. Mm, yeah. I love that. Even editing photos is just as much a skill as taking the photos is, right? Eventually, I mean, I guess people who don't particularly like it could it just it could be because they're comfy in their old ways and don't want to take the time to learn the new skills. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't if 
well, there, there's lots of great photographers out there and lots of different approaches and yeah. uh, everybody's, everybody's got their own approach. And one of the ways I see this is that there, there are companies uh, like Finisher Picks, who does all the Iron Man photos and other, other photo companies who work primarily on a, on a volume basis. And I have worked for some of those companies in the past. We had, we had quotas for how many photos that we needed to take. And so I, for a couple of years, I worked for Bright Room, which was bought by Marathon Photo. And I worked the Chevron Houston Marathon. And the Chevron Houston Marathon, which is happening tomorrow, by the way, <laughs> has about 25,000 runners in it. And our our quota was to get about twelve thousand five hundred images each. Wow! So we would work in <laughs> we would work in teams of of four, and for the team, our quota was to get fifty thousand photos. So wow! Uh, so I would yeah I would I would sit in a spot and and just shoot and shoot for six hours until the until all the racers had had gone by. Do you have to do like some exercises for your you know, trigger finger on your camera, like little weightlifting and stuff. To <laughs> oh, absolutely! You know, my training. Hand, you just <laughs> wiped out after that. It it was just I couldn't. Uh, you know, all I could do was hold a cold beer. That was that was it. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, I and I think my record was uh, I I shot the the BP MS one fifty and 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 it was even longer. I think. I think I shot about nineteen thousand images on, in one day. Oh wow! And yeah, it was it was it was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no wonder you go through a camera every couple of years. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah. After so after going through those experiences, I I decided that you know I'm I'm just one guy. I can't compete with those companies on a volume basis. Right. They that you know that's. That was that's their approach. They want to get every runner and multiple shots of every runner and, and have a have a package for for the participants. Right. And I'm I I I just decided that I'd rather go the other direction and capture images that are that are that are very good and that I can take back and edit and spend some more time on and have a much higher quality product, but much less volume as well. Yeah, of course, a different strategy, definitely. Different, yeah. yeah. Okay, I have a burning question for a race photographer. I've always wondered this, so now I, I have no idea whether you have any insight into it, but it seems like half the time when you're, you know, you're on your bike and, oh, you see the race photographer and they're sitting there right at a corner with a hill, so now I'm like breaking, I'm off my arrow bars, I'm slightly sideways and, you know, I'm concentrating and all the pictures look like, yeah, people like riding, sitting straight up, holding their brakes or whatever. So it's, it, it, do you think it's just because photographers don't really understand what's happening on the course? Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and does your experience being a triathlete give you some insight into that because you've actually done a triathlons? Yeah, so there's there's a couple things going on here. So so remember when I was talking about some of the specific instructions, mm -hmm. these these the race companies want the photographers to get the shots head on primarily. Right. 
And one way to do that is to sit at the top of the hill and you can see the the riders coming up at you and and it's easier to focus and and to compose the shots. So sometimes it's the photographer, they're just doing what they're told. Other times it's um, they, they figure it out on their own and they figure out that that's the easiest or one of the easier shots to get. And so that's what they're doing. Mm. And I realized that early on when I started to do the profile shots that that was much less common. And there are very, very few or fewer of the profile type shots. And, and, and again, people love those. And, and I, I encourage everybody when they, when they see me or a photographer and, mm-hmm. and we're shooting a profile shot is please stay in arrow. Don't, don't drink from your water bottle. Don't reach <laughs> for a pack of goo and try to undo. <laughs> Fumble with the wrapper. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because that's that's a cool shot, right? Is is when you're in arrow and right. You know, you're laying down 400 watts and just just powering through, and uh, leg muscles are firing, and you know, just everything looks cool at that point. I imagine it's a harder shot to get though because people are going by so much faster as opposed to coming straight at you. It is. It is a much harder shot. And especially when people are in groups or, or there's other traffic or, you know, there, it, it's, it's a lower percentage type shot. The, the head on shots are easy and you can almost get everybody. I was going to say, how many times do you have a car come between you and the bike just as you're pressing the shutter? It, it happens a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I like the closed courses, um, but, but we're not always fortunate enough to have those. Yeah. Now that we're talking about the numbers of, of pictures and all these crazy numbers, figures you were mentioning before, I just wonder how did photographers uh, do this job before the digital era? No, I mean, if you have to shoot 7,000 pictures with those 36 exposure Kodak rolls, you need 200 of those rolls for each race, which means that you need to bring, I did some numbers, and you need to bring a, a pack of six kilo, a six kilo pack of rolls, <laughs> right, first. And if you are very good at changing rolls, that I remember that it was a very hard process. If you're very good, maybe you can do 30 seconds each. And if you can do that, then you would spend an hour and a half just changing rolls. So I have no, no idea, honestly. So I'll just crunch some numbers here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a that's a very good question, and I I appreciate your uh, for for doing the math for us. <laughs> um, of but I I think the answer is it just wasn't done, or at least not done to the degree where it's done today. So yeah, it wasn't. I mean, I have no race pictures from. 20 years of racing other than what my friends took from the sidelines. Yeah. Right. And, and I remember participating in, in large races, one of the largest races in that we have in, in Austin, here's the capital 10,000. It's a 10 K race, very popular. And I, I ran that in high school and, and I never had race pictures, (laughs) but, but that is the one thing that the digital photography has enabled is this this idea that yeah you participate in a race and almost every race does it now uh, even the little community five k's or you know fun runs or turkey trots or whatever every, everybody will will have race pictures it seems like which I think is great absolutely and do you do 
photography for other events as well outside of triathlon? Uh, I do. So I I will do well running events primarily. I do some some biking events, some time trials. I'm starting to get invited to participate in some other events. So there's a uh, a swimming event that uh, is taking place in Houston on May the fourth that I was asked to help photograph. I photographed my uh, some of my daughter's sporting events. Uh, my youngest daughter was in swimming, and so I would photograph swim meets. Then for the uh, for the high school that my daughters go to, I'll shoot the football games, soccer games, volleyball games, basketball, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's nice. So, like, when did it all sort of start clicking for you? Um, you know, you basically started out just taking pictures of your friends, and so. How did you go about getting those technical skills and just educating yourself about the skill? I mean, because photography is something like, you know, the barrier to entry is obviously very low. You know, everyone that has a camera thinks they're a photographer. But there's obviously a big difference in just being a photographer and being like a good, a professional one. So what did that process look like for you to take it to that next level? Oh, sure. That, uh, that's a great question. So, so as I had mentioned, I had a background in, in film photography and and I thought I was a pretty good photographer. Uh, I uh, with film, it, the the process is you take take a roll of film, you send it off to be developed. A week later, or maybe two or three weeks, or two three days later, you might get the film back, and and you can see how you did. You don't you, you never have that immediate feedback that you do with digital photography today. So it was important for me working with film to to get the shot right in in the camera. And I I felt like I had pretty good skills to be able to do that. When I started shooting the the race photography on a contract basis, I realized I wasn't very good. (laughs) And, And it was it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, because there's there's a time component. You, you don't get a second chance as a, as the lead runners are coming by to, to shoot them again. Yeah. Right. And so it, it's, it's important to work quickly and, and to get, get the shots correctly uh, as you go along. Now with digital photography is good because you can check the back of the camera and see how you're doing and, you know, make sure the exposure and focus and things are right. But but it did take me several races to to build up the the skill set to be, to become you know somewhat accomplished. I'm I'm still learning even after seven or eight years of doing this. Every race presents uh, new learning opportunities, and there's there's always something new, which is great. And and I love I love learning new things and discovering new things. But uh, I think it was probably after maybe maybe a year or so after I started doing it on a contract basis that where I really felt like my, my skill set developed and my confidence developed where Hmm. I could shoot competently. So do you have like a favorite race or something like that? Oh gosh, great question. So the, there are, there's lots of races that I enjoy shooting. My, I think, the best experience that I had was uh, in 2017 when I shot the inaugural Alaska Man Extreme Triathlon. Oh wow! 
That must have been amazing. It it was unbelievable. So epic. <laughs> it, it really was. Uh, the race director is a is a guy by the name of Aaron Pallian, and he had and, and I had been working for him shooting his events for a number of years, and uh, he so he's he went and did the Norseman Extreme Triathlon. And he did. He also did the Scotman Extreme Triathlon, and so he decided he wanted to produce his own Extreme Triathlon. And so he he spent a couple of years in development and and found the site and found some people in Alaska to work with, and came up with the Alaska Men Extreme Triathlon. Just a just an amazing event, uh, and. When I when I agreed to help him out and and, and go up there and shoot it, um, I also decided that I wanted to share that experience with my two older daughters. So I rented some extra camera cameras and lenses, hmm. and the three of us flew up there and spent uh, about a week in in Alaska, and just had a had a phenomenal experience. the The Alaska Man Extreme Triathlon is a full Iron Distance Triathlon involves swimming in Resurrection Bay, uh, biking 110 miles along the the Seward Highway, and just just spectacular vistas. Oh, and then the run was up and down the side of a mountain, which was totally insane. <laughs> and it was a, a ski resort there outside of uh, outside of Anchorage, and it, it took place in July. There was still snow in in places there, but, but it was also green because the, the grass had started to come out and it's the season. Yeah. So, so lots of photography with the, with the glaciers and the snow cap mountains, uh, but people riding the bikes along the road and, and, and the, the ocean there in the background too. Just, just really amazing. <laughs> I, I don't, remember a time in recent history in the last 20 years that I've been so exhausted after, <laughs> after shooting that we, we, I think we started at about four o'clock in the morning and I, I finished well after midnight that night. Wow. I was say that is a long day. Very long day. Yep. <laughs> and is there any race that you want to go to and be a part of that you haven't yet? Oh, uh, as, as far as photographing one or, or yeah, participating yeah. in one? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, sure. No, there's tons of races that, that I would love to to go to. Of course, you know, the, the favorite one is, is Kona, right? So mm. i still working on trying to figure out how, you know, how to, how to make that happen. I was in, it turns out I was actually in Palm Springs for a conference for my, for my day job <laughs> and right before the weekend or the week before Kona uh, last year. And I thought, man, you know, instead of jumping on that plane, going back to Houston, I, I should probably just jump on a plane and go to, go to Hawaii instead. But, (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't, Uh, (laughs) but yeah, I'd I'd love to go to Kona. I see Ironman is, is launching all these amazing new events. They're going to have Ironman Ireland uh, this year. Oh yeah. I think the, the seventy point three championship is in Nice, France, this year. Yeah. So, uh, and I know some some people who are going to that, and I would love to attend that. But yeah, there's really there's probably too many to list. If you get me going, I could I could just. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and then and then tons of races here in the United States that are just uh, you know gorgeous Ironman Arizona, Lake Placid. There's uh, now I'm now I'm just losing count, but <laughs> losing <laughs> losing my track. But uh, Santa Rosa, <laughs> you're basically ready to go travel anywhere for it. I I would love to travel. I I do have to balance this out with my uh, with my real job, uh, <laughs> so. I do ha- find myself making some compromises. I am fortunate enough, though. What's What's really great is that I have I have two great events uh, right in my own backyard. Of course, Ironman Texas and and the seventy point three uh, in Galveston. Yeah. And then the other events in Texas are the uh, Ironman the seventy point three in Waco, which the inaugural event was last October, and that was an amazing event as well. Fortunately, they had to cancel the swim due to some flooding, but I think everybody who participated had uh, had a great time uh, and recognized what a what a great event that was. Uh, and then the Ironman seventy point three in Lubbock uh, is uh, another fantastic event. It's been going on for for thirty years now, I think, and I've I've gotten to know the race directors some. I, I went to Texas Tech, so when I go back to Lubbock to to shoot that race, it's it's kind of like going back to, to college, <laughs> uh, and that's a lot of fun as well. Say, so have you ever had any close calls with like participants running you over, <laughs> or running into you, or <laughs> anything else crazy? I I haven't really had had that many close calls. You know, I I try to make sure I position myself to where I'm not really. Uh, that close uh, to the action, I, I did get nervous. Some Ironman Texas, the bike course is on the Hardy Tollway, which is a freeway in Houston, mm-hmm. and or it's not a freeway; it's a tollway in Houston. But but they they block off one side of it, and but the other side they they let traffic continue on, and there's a concrete barrier. And I was sitting with my back up against the concrete barrier, but just on the other side of the barrier, there was, there was traffic, you know, driving 70, 80 miles an hour. And that was, that made me a little bit nervous. Nerve wracking. Yeah. <laughs> and then that bike course tended to get congested. And that was one of the criticisms of the race from last year was the, was the number of potential drafting incidents and, and groups of riders. Right. So there were a few that got a little close, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't too concerned. I try to, I try to wear, a, I, I usually wear a bright orange vest. <laughs> I like to uh, bring a portable speaker that I have that and, and blast music. So I, I want people to see me and to make sure that they, they look as cool as possible when they, when they pass by. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask you, Scott, I mean, with all these races around the world and we were talking about before and obviously all these bucket lists and, and whatnot, I guess one of the issues is that each photographer has to pay for, for the travel, no? So that is an issue, and I'm trying to work around that myself. Uh, there And there's a number of approaches to, to help defray some of those costs. I, I did get offered a place to stay in Kona last year, which which would have helped course i would have still had to pay airfare and 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 food and and whatnot but there are there are some ways to do this you can get a a a group of people together to help uh, share in the cost 
and with the commitment that I, I would provide their photos for them during the race. Mm. Uh, there are there are teams, uh, triathlon teams, who hire photographers or at least pay for the photographer's travel to to attend events. And then there's there's also companies, equipment companies, who uh, have photographers uh, out there as well. So uh, I'm open to lots of opportunities here. <laughs> if if somebody wants to uh, pay for my costs and the schedules line up, then great. I'll I'll go shoot shoot the event and make sure that that I get you. But uh, uh, so far, that that really hasn't hasn't developed yet. But uh, uh, you know, I'm still hopeful. I got a few things I'm working to. Nice. Do you see yourself getting into film and video, or do you just want to stick with photography? I I've done a little bit of video. Uh, I love I love video. I I love creating a you know like a video montage of an event putting it to music and doing all the dramatic fades and stuff in and out of video i would also love to get into drone work i have a a good friend of mine who who i work with a lot in in some of the local events who does all the drone work that looks like tons of fun to me uh and i'd love to get into that but there again i'm working against some time constraints and uh, again, trying to find all that balance. Video takes a tremendous amount more time and work and storage and computer processing capabilities. And yes. Uh, And I, I just haven't found myself making that, that leap yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think one big question that we haven't asked yet, that we should before we wrap things up is will you be making a comeback into triathlon anytime soon oh great question <laughs> i i had a and i think about that too uh, quite a bit i i have a good friend of mine uh, marcus cook who is uh, a very inspirational individual he is uh, on instagram as big to little he uh he weighed 489 pounds and he made the commitment to lose the weight and start competing in in triathlons and uh truly inspirational story if if you if you don't follow him go look him up but he was encouraging me uh late last year to uh to sign up for for the Galveston 70.3 and uh I you know he he planted that seed and I, I I really started thinking pretty seriously about that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and so he 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 approached it with, "Hey, listen, Scott. You know, everybody knows who you are. This is a hometown race for you. Everybody be cheering for you. You can do it." And and he's the kind of guy where I I can't say really no i can't i am too busy i'm too out of shape i'm too uh, i'm too all this because he he's been through all that <laughs> and and he's he's done a you know a he, he's underwent a, a fantastic journey and transformation so i i'm thinking at some point yeah i might uh, i might need to revisit that and at least uh, do one more triathlon but at the same time, though, I'm having too much fun photographing everybody else. Uh, this, I mean, I, honestly, this is this is a blast for me. I'm I'm a much much better photographer than I ever was a triathlete, <laughs> and 
the, the other great thing that that this you know the photography piece of it has done for me is really introduced me to just some fantastic individuals and and teams of people uh, who, who are just truly amazing. And as I'm I'm sure you all are aware, after doing these podcasts and interviewing these people, there there are so many stories out there and so much inspiration and. And I, I really just like doing my part to kind of help help spread that that those stories and inspiration. And I really feel that's that's more my calling than really competing in the triathlons. Hmm. Well, whatever you choose to do, we will be looking forward to <laughs> seeing it. All right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, Scott. So just to wrap things up, a final few questions. What message would you want people listening to take away from your story? One message I would like people to understand is that I, I think everybody looks fantastic when they're competing. And 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 I I, I try to show that in, in my photography. I think uh, a lot of people just they, they see some of the photos that I take maybe of the pros or, or whatever, but and 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 maybe they don't have the coolest equipment or the, the latest gear, but they're out there. And and they're competing, and they work very hard to get where they are, and uh, and they do look cool. I, I want to help help them see that, yeah, they they do look cool when they're when they're out there riding their bike or running or or swimming in triathlon. All right. And are there any people or brands that you like to give a shout out to? Uh, so I've mentioned a few already. Um, what I so let me tell you about one of the 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 more inspirational groups that I've been involved with and I'll give a shout out to uh Team Catapult. So those of you who aren't familiar with with Catapult, they're it's a team based in Houston uh and they help people with disabilities turn those into capabilities. Oh yeah. And so they'll do things like uh help uh, train people to be guides for blind athletes or or other disabled athletes, and they also provide grants for for people to to purchase equipment like tandem bikes or hand cycles or or some of the running legs or or things for for amputees. Uh, fantastic organization. Uh, I I was very fortunate to be invited to participate in their gala last night, and just had a a wonderful time. Uh, heard some truly inspirational stories. Uh, I really appreciate all that they do, and then, and again, I, I try to do what I can to uh, help capture those guys when they're out on the course, and 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 share their awesomeness with the rest of the world. But uh, great, great organization. Mm-hmm. Great. And so, before we ask our last question, tell everyone listening where they can find you and your work online. Sure. Probably the best place to find me is through my Instagram feed at Scott Flathouse Photo. Uh, I also, uh, I'm, so I'm, I've got a website, I'm working on redoing that website. So I'll be launching a new website soon, uh, hopefully in the, uh, maybe March timeframe. And so, uh, that website, it will be scottflathousephoto.com, but, uh, not quite there yet. But if, if you just go to my Instagram feed at scottflathousephoto, uh, that, that's where you'll find most of my work. Awesome. Okay, and our last question is: Why do you capture try? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, I 
I think I like the diversity of the individual uh, pieces of the event. I think there, there's something about the the triathlete uh, mindset or individual that 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 I really like. I like shooting bike events. I like shooting running events. I kind of like shooting swimming, although swimming is really tough. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, triathletes seem to have a have a lot of fun with themselves and they tend to enjoy the events this is a great question so it's not just a it's not just a myth that we uh we we have a lot of fun a lot more fun yeah <laughs> it's not just a myth <laughs> triathletes really do have a have a lot more fun awesome um scott it was great having you on the show thank you for coming on and sharing your journey with us yeah definitely well thank you very much swap and charles and robin It's time for CCC, Triple C, C-Cube. That's right, Community Comments with Charles. Come on, don't be shy. We love reading your comments. We do read them all, okay? So today we'll use for the first time our brand new state-of-the-art random comment selector to read out during our CCC sections. So let's give it a try. All right, and here it is. This time we'll go all the way to the land of famous investor Warren Buffet, Omaha, Nebraska. And it goes like this. So much valuable information from relatable triathletes across the globe. I would absolutely recommend this for everyone, not just triathletes. And this comes from Mr. Tyler Bird, who you can find on Instagram on at the underscore think shrink. Actually, Tyler, thank you for the kind words. It means a lot to us. And before we leave, you know you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Strava, on our website, humansoftriathlon.com, and on every podcast platform on the planet, I think. So send your comments, please. And for now, hasta la vista, baby. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for being a part of this Humans of Triathlon community. Hope you're enjoying the show and the other content. Make sure to join us again next week here on the Hot Podcast, where we'll bring you another amazing guest and story from this Audrey but extra Audrey world of triathlon. Until then, everyone, keep trying.